is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Monday, February 18th, no wait. 19th 2018 i got my years and my dates all screwed up and i have a special guest uh juan carlos bagnell is here hi how are you juan hey i'm doing great i'm really stoked to, to be on the show i've been listening for a while I'm, I'm glad to finally make the make the roster awesome yeah i'm glad you were able to make it this is a bit of a crazy day because i'm flying out to europe this evening First to see my family in France and then off to Barcelona for MWC. So it's a little hectic, but I'm glad you could join us. Um, so do you want to tell everybody where you they can find you? I mean, we're going to obviously plug ourselves at the end. But <laughs> oh, I've been all over the place. So uh, You have. That's why I wanted to make sure that I've got the right <laughs> info. For, for, uh, for people interested in the mobile tech conversation for the last two years, I, I've been a senior editor at PocketNow.com. I'm still running their podcast. But I've also started broadening my tech horizons. And uh, I'm hosting a weekly show with Newegg talking about PC building, DIY, and uh, gaming hardware. So the, uh, we do a live broadcast every Thursday. 10 a.m. Pacific at at Newegg also. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of spreading my tech horizons there, both mobile and desktop and laptop, getting all the fun goodies, uh, getting to play with all the fun gear again. Awesome. Um, you see, I knew there was more than Pocket Now. That's why I didn't want to like pigeonhole you <laughs> by saying Pocket Now. Um, you know, as you also know, well, my my listeners, I do write for Pocket Now from time to time as well. So mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a family reunion in a lot of ways. Oh, definitely. I know. It's awesome. So um, we have some topics. I'm going to let you pick the first one if you have the podcast topics up and ready. You go ahead then. So one of the things that I actually wanted to kick off with was just that little bit of business news where uh, you linked the HTC president, uh, smartphone business president. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Because I think we've both been dancing around some some conspiracy theory-esque hypotheses over (laughs) what might become of our beloved HTC. It was a brand that got me into mobile tech. Uh, I'm actually revisiting an old Windows mobile uh, PDA from back in the day that has the HTC branding all over it. But uh, of late, it seems like uh, this is a company that's getting ready to be piecemealed. Well, uh, I've been saying this for a while, you know, yeah. you've heard that. And some people call me crazy. Look, it's not what I wish was happening. Don't no. get me wrong. I want a healthy HTC to be around us, uh, with us for a while. But I, the reality is that uh, I could see this one coming. The writing seemed to be on the wall for me. Um, I don't know. It's... What does it mean, though? Does it, I mean, they could still be making phones. Who knows, right? Well, I, I think, you know, uh, there, there was a, I, I'll, I forget who your guest was, and I apologize for that. But th- there was a recent conversation about just sort of HTC in general, circa the, uh, the um, Google acquisition, where yeah, yeah, when yeah. you have such a huge chunk of your design talent being packed up and moved to another company, we can be pretty confident that there's still probably another two years of phones in HTC's design pipeline. You know, a U12, maybe a U13, some notes on what that might have resembled. But that seems to me like the right time frame to figure out what to do with their, uh, with their patent portfolio, to figure out what to do with the, the Vive. You know what to do with their yeah. uh, uh, um, their virtual reality segment of their business, and then the spirit of HTC phones will just live on at Google. Maybe this becomes a a brand kind of like uh, the Nokia label, 
where it can be licensed and applied to entry level or mid ranger devices, something like that. I just don't see a lot of uh, a lot of future left for HTC as a standalone premium device manufacturer. And this move, you know, another smartphone president resigning, another top tier executive leaving the company, I think kind of reinforces the notion that this brand label probably won't represent a premium option for much longer. Yeah. I mean, the reality is I'm sure we'll get a U12, but after yeah. that, it's all big question marks, right? Well, and definitely. And, and, and it needs, it, we, we're still yet to see whether or not their current strategy can excite anyone, any consumers in this mobile space. A number of manufacturers are facing very similar challenges. If it's LG, if it's Moto, you know, how do you, how do you justify premium pricing in an era of $800,000, $900,000 phones and compete against companies like Apple and Samsung that can demand that kind of price premium. I don't think any of them have really done a good job of answering that question for consumers. Yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, I'm torn. I mean, on one hand, maybe we won't miss HTC because they'll relive within the Pixel brand in some super awesome way, right? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm just, uh, call me old-fashioned, but it's just, it's the end of an era. It's kind of like, you know, like when, um, when Nokia and BlackBerry kind of disappeared yeah. for a while, right? I mean, maybe they'll come back. Maybe somebody's going to acquire the rights to HTC. Wouldn't that be great? Well, it's definitely what I would, I would prefer to see is sort of retreading what made HTC so special as a smartphone brand. I think HMD is doing a good job oh, yeah. of bringing us back to what that Nokia label represented, especially before Microsoft acquired them. Uh, if, if someone could do that with HTC, if we had leadership that I felt was up to the task at HTC to rejoin that conversation, I think I'd, I wouldn't feel quite so dour, but it really does feel like the people who were making exciting design decisions at the company are now probably under Google's purview. And that's great for pixel fans, you know, uh, from out of the Nexus era into the pixel phone era. I think if we could have that kind of cohesive design brand strategy with Google's resources, that's definitely going to be a boon for smartphone fans. But at the same time, I, I wonder if this isn't just more evidence that we're rapidly approaching, if not already starting to be the in. beginning of the end the 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 you know yeah. the post smartphone yeah, yeah, totally. world this is such a ubiquitous commodity of a gadget not the exciting vanguard product that it used to be uh, <laughs> where's the next excitement gonna come from if it's not from the glowing rectangles that we keep in our pockets well i think this is gonna be a while i, I mean you know I, I was just having a conversation with that about this with someone how you know the 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 voice ui right the the, mm -hmm. the google assistant alexa Oh no, she's gonna go off. Uh, and 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 uh, and yeah, and 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 series of the world are going to, you know, are, are going to become like permeate our, our homes and our and our offices and our cars. I'm sure too eventually. Um, and that is a natural interface. Like it's so easy yeah. for you to talk to the computer, and you know, it's kind of very Star Trek. But I think that is the the reality of a big chunk of our future. But that doesn't mean to me that the phone's going to disappear simply because, in the same way as the laptop and even the desktop hasn't disappeared. You know, there is a tool for the right thing, and some of us are set in our ways and our habits, and we we're happy pecking away at a piece of glass. <laughs> that, right. that that piece of glass might change shapes and and be thinner and maybe translucent and 
and transparent and whatever, but and maybe the compute power will you know will shift to uh, another device on our bodies or to the cloud for all we know. Um, no, and, but it and doesn't no, matter, I, right? I completely agree with that. I, I think one of the things, that, especially those of us who are fans of this kind of mobile kit, we've been in PDA space and in smartphone space, you know, since the dawn of Palm versus, uh, you know, Windows Mobile or something like that. It, it, it's not to get too hung up on, do I think the phone is going away? Because we technically live in a post PC era, and yet. Look at the, the excitement. The PC hasn't really gone away. Yeah, the PC, not only has the PC not gone away, but we've it's never seen awesome. <laughs> more excitement regarding things like blockchain technologies and gaming tech. You know, they were saying the console wars had decided the fate of the PC a decade ago, and yet the PC keeps coming back to reign supreme in the era of like competitive it's a gaming. zombie we can't kill. It, it, totally. So what, what I mean by like the post-smartphone era is one where we sort of take that part of the gadgetry for granted. In a way where now the next exciting phase might be something like Intel's Vaunt, you know, yeah, like absolutely. That's, that's an exciting step towards interacting with data and services in a way that we can't replicate with a slab of glass that has a battery that lives in our pocket. Maybe the social interactions change so that we're not always blocking the world around us with a glowing rectangle. And we move on to, like you were saying, better audio interfaces, something like the movie Her. You know, like where we can have these sort of meaningful audio interactions, short form interactions with our content. Maybe we have that at a glance notification that smartwatches promised us and never delivered, <laughs> you know, but yeah, we could have no, totally. that up at eye level. And maybe we fix some of the issues we have with things like distracted driving. When we don't have this glowing screen in our lap, we can put that information up where it's more easily uh, digestible. And so that's what I mean is, is it's not, it's not that the smartphone's going away, but maybe you just have a brain that lives in your pocket. And you interact <laughs> with all of your data in a different way, yeah, in, yeah, in different totally. ways, yeah, with, yeah, with in more organic ways for the human mm -hmm. condition. Yeah, no, I agree, uh, and and that's my point. I think I was trying to get to is that like so. I think the you know the voice interface is exciting because it it removes the, in a way it removes the interface, right? You just yeah. you just talk, and and it'll get better and better to the point where you know it'll just be second nature. But at the same time, we might not need our phones all the time anymore. In the same way as we don't necessarily use our laptops and desktops as much anymore exactly um, it becomes and, and more of a specialized solution for a very particular type of interaction. exactly and the yeah. reason for that is because as you said was probably was you know uh, ar glasses on our noses or on our faces um you're just going to be able to when you know there are times when a voice interface is not ideal in the sense that you want to manipulate data um uh, Physically, like by kind of like gesturing, or, right? Or when touching. I'm when I'm looking up something embarrassing in line at CVS, <laughs> maybe right. I don't or, want voice or, control. Or even better, like you just want augment. Do you want you want to augment the voice with some actual visuals because a yeah. picture speaks a thousand words, as totally. we know. So so that's when I'm really excited about AR kind of glasses because then you know you could display something that you've queried by voice. And and you know and that's I think going to be the future. But but to come back to HTC, like to to wrap it back around, I think you know. I, I'm glad that you feel the same way as me in that sense that I kind of felt some unease there and yeah. I could see it kind of coming. And this is definitely reinforcing that, this this departure from the president of the smartphone division. Um, and, you know, again, you know, we'll still see some phones for a brief period of time, but I have a feeling that these are counted for HTC making phones. And as such, uh, it's, a, it's a chapter. It's, it's a new definitely. chapter. 
And uh, well, I think you're you know, like me that we we we're we're fans. You know, we're fans of these different yeah, brands exactly. and what they used to represent and what they bring to the table. And so this is one of those situations where I hope I'm wrong. I hope. Well, absolutely. You know, like just like I didn't figure BlackBerry could ever make the return they did with the Key One, that HTC can surprise me again, that they can find something that makes me excited again. I I, I want that to happen. But that's possible, but it won't it be is. the HTC we know today. Like it in totally the same way as BlackBerry Mobile today is is essentially TCL, and the same way as you know Nokia today is ex- essentially HMD Global. Mm-hmm. It's it's no longer the same company. Um, and, and nothing makes it more obvious. I've been cleaning out my office for the last couple of weeks, uh, sending back devices and stuff. And <laughs> I came a whole. I'm yeah, way oh behind. Oh my god! No, no. I've I've been. I was. It's so bad. Like it's been two years, and I'm so overdue. Like I'm drowning in in <laughs> yeah. not enough space anymore. So. But, you know, I came across a whole bunch of Lumias that were both branded Nokia and branded Microsoft. And, you know, it's amazing to have a phone in my hand that's not really that old that says Nokia on it, that's Windows Phone, that I have to return to Microsoft. But, you know, having in my other hand a a Nokia HMD Global branded phone, you know, it's like, wow, you know, it's the same brand, but a completely different background. But I mean, there are some common threads there. A lot of the people that worked on Nokia phones back in the day. Uh, you know, are part of HMD Global today, totally. so it's it's not all lost, and so that, that might job you know happen with HTC as well. Yeah. Well, and and especially that the just you know I, I hold some of my old Lumias, and we're going to be talking more about proper Nokia, the Nokia Seven uh, stuff a little bit later. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. But, but it, it's just so many wasted opportunities with Windows Phone, where I think they could have been a strong third place competitor. Only to read this morning that they're going to be uh, disabling the servers that provided notifications for Windows Phone 7 and Windows Phone 8. Like, not only... Oh, yeah. These things are really proper dead. I mean, they're really proper dead. (laughs) It's too bad in a way because, you know, it's the same as like, you know, so many devices that are based on cloud services that, you know, when they get abandoned, they're just, you know... They're useless, right? Like Pebble is heading in that direction very quickly. If yeah. you have a Pebble smartwatch, very soon you're not going to be able to do uh, some of the stuff that it can yeah, because do. Because you um, got me into Pebble. You, you <laughs> were like when when I saw like one of the first uh, Pebble steals and uh, we were in a cab line after uh, I think it was like a Pepcom or something and it just terrible weather for a CES. It's I remember sleeting, that. It's snowing. Yeah. And you're showing me like how you could like call Ubers and stuff through the Pebble interface. Um, <laughs> just like how, good again, times, good times, good times, just how many opportunities we had, I think for uh, companies to really shake up because I don't feel that we've really captured that. My Pebble time is still my favorite smartwatch. Uh, my actual watch experience. I don't feel like we've ever gotten the same promise no. from Android Wear Anyone, or from no. uh, Tizen. I, I've just always wished for better Pebble hardware, like, you know, OLED display and, you know, even yeah. thinner. Like, I think Pebble Time, Pebble Time Round is is the uh, the ultimate accomplishment, I think. Um, even though it sacrificed some battery life, mm-hmm. um, it's still to this day the thinnest smartwatch ever made. Yeah. Uh, it's 6.5 millimeters and it, you know, the uh, desperately needs a better display. I think all pebbles do. That was my biggest gripe when I was working there. I pushed really hard for us to get an, uh, a, a OLED instead, you know, with, uh, um, because it was really practical. It just wasn't pretty. (laughs) It was practical and it certainly were, it was great in sunlight, but I always thought that most of us don't really spend that much time in sunlight. So, uh, it doesn't really help, but, uh, that's my opinion. But the point is that, 
you know, we need, like, I want, I want a smartwatch that's thin and light and dressy and not a sports watch or a fitness band. And that just tells me the time always without having to like tap on it or, you know, look at it or whatever. And that has notifications that I filter and also does sports tracking just because it's good to keep track right. of my health. Now, have you, but have to you, me, nobody does that any, that way. Have you played with any of the, uh, the hybrid, like the Fossil or Scoggin hybrids? Uh, not those two, but I've played with, well, a much lesser hybrid, I guess, if you, we want to call it that. The, uh, uh, what was that watch from, uh, from Withings before oh, it was Nokia? Oh, yeah, before um, Nokia uh, bought them out. I yeah, don't but, remember what that was called. You know the one I'm talking about. You know, but it's it was, mechanical, but it counts your steps with a special dial. It was cool. Yeah. So I, I, there, there are some really good ideas there that still need a bit of polish, but I do like my Scoggin. That's my dress up. Okay. Maybe you know, I should get analog one. Analog watch face. And then it's just got that little dial with four zones. So yeah. you've got an ABC, uh, ABCD, and the little arm will just point to A or B or C. And you know what you've set for that zone. So if it's like a text ah, yeah. from my wife, that's, that's a, <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's see. my a notification right there. Um, it still needs some work, but it's, it's a good idea. It's an idea at least worth evolving on top of. Yeah. I want, I still want a real screen. Like I still want a notification that spell out. Um, right. But I want, I like the idea of combining that with an analog movement of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of, you know, there are watches out there that have, um, you know, a, a transparent display on top of an analog watch. I don't know who makes those, but I've seen those. Yeah, I've seen a few prototype or like Kickstarter level uh, solutions for that. I don't know that I've seen anything really try and crack mass market though. No, but that's kind of what I, my, my, my ultimate dream would be. It's like, you know, analog with an OLED overlay um, that... Yeah, that, you know, basically until I can get a smart pair of smart glasses, that would be my art <laughs> right. display. Uh, yeah, how funny is it that we might have like laser retinal displays before we can get a simple watch overlay screen? Well, honestly, you know, I mean, going back to Intel Vaunt, I think, you know, I know a lot of the folks that work on that team because they came from Pebble software team. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Itai Fonchak is the, is the head of that team and or at least the head of that product part of the team. And, and he used to work, be the head of design at, at, at Pebble. He's a, he's a good friend. He's a, they're a bunch of sharp guys. Um, anyway, and that's what I like the simplicity of it. It's like, it's not, it doesn't have a camera. It's just Bluetooth yeah. connected. And it's basically a notification engine in your eye. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what I like. Honestly, to me, it's notification. It's just having to pull my phone out of my pocket to look at what's going on is what drives me nuts. Yeah. But I also like to filter them so that I only get the essentials. Well, and, and I'm sure you've been in those conversations too, where someone is like, is actively making fun of a smartwatch while they're being distracted by something that their phone's doing and having to pull their phone out of their pocket. Like I've had those exact interactions like, oh, I just don't think I'd be so into a smartwatch <laughs> as they're breaking eye contact <laughs> with me to look at their I phone. Know. Luddites, <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, but look, it's a preferencing. I never really wore a watch until I worked at Pebble. So the reality is, to me, there's no world, like a watch by itself does nothing. I, I need yeah. a smartwatch and I need notifications. And sec my second use case is, my first use case, my, technically my use case zero would be with time, tell this time. Use case one, 
you know, one is notification use case, two is some fitness or health, not not even fitness, but health tracking, you know, mm-hmm. heart rate, um, number of steps, that kind of stuff, just because it's good to have a baseline and know Definitely. If, I'm, if I'm taking care of myself a little bit better. And sleep tracking is cool when it works well. Although I don't really like wearing something at night, so ideally I'm not sure I want that. Well, on my watch. I, I've I've stopped doing sleep tracking because I'm uh, my daily driver smartwatch is a, is a Huawei, which has decent battery life, but I don't want to have to take my watch off in the middle of the day to top it back off after having used it for sleep tracking. Which again, where even just the basic like step pedometer style sensors in a Pebble, I didn't have to worry about. You know, like I had three or four days of battery life really using it a lot. So it was a lot easier just to kind of keep it floating in the background. I think that's one of the things that is going to be a tricky, a tricky answer uh, for manufacturers to answer the question for consumers. Like at some point, we've got to whittle back on the number of things that consumers need to manage and get back to these things sort of fitting more organically into the background of someone's day. You can ask consumers to get used to a lot, but we're all, I think, nearing the limits of our sort of personal area network bandwidth, at least from the uh, the wetware, you know, the the space between our ears, our brain's ability to keep track of this stuff and manage everything and troubleshoot everything and tech support everything. Uh, some some reexamination of how all of these things work together is probably uh, a little overdue. Absolutely, and look at that. We started talking about HTC, and it got us into like this <laughs> great philosophical <laughs> discussion about the future of it. of well, that's you know, the kind of conversation HTC should inspire, computing. right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. You're right. <laughs> no, I think it. I think it's good. I I support this. I'm on. I'm on board. It's good. Um. What was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, it's just, a, you know, it's, it is a big piece of news. When I saw that, I was just like, oh, boy. Yeah. You know, I called it again. <laughs> Smugness. Right. Well, no, and, no, and like, kidding. hate to be right about this, guys, yeah. but we did say. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Should we go to the next topic? Yeah, definitely. What do, what do we got Let's, up next? Uh, uh, you know, I want to kind of continue talking about Essential a little bit. I, I talked about it on the oh, last, right. po- last podcast because of the news of like what whatever it was, 80,000, 90,000 units sold. Mm-hmm. But right, uh, it was early in the week that we did the podcast, uh, me and Alex from uh, from Android Central. And and so, of course, the, like literally the day after the podcast, they announced their new colors. So I just wanted to to say that, you know, uh, they launched these three new colors and they're pretty cool. And uh, if you're looking for an essential phone still or want to buy one, there's more color choices now. Woohoo! <laughs> That's basically well, is, it. Isn't this their finally, they're finally, uh, the, the one that I was looking at, isn't it the, the green and gold or green? So and it's copper? weird because it looks more like turquoise now, like almost bluish in some, like when you right. see it on the photos on their site, it looks green. But then you look at it on the various reviews, like, you know, Lewis at Unbox Therapy did an unboxing and it looks more turquoise bluish to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was on board when it was kind of like a forest green with gold, but yeah. now it's turquoise and gold i could do that but mm, that would definitely be the color for me then there's like a bronze black like it looks a black but on certain angles it looks bronze okay uh and then they have a matte like flat black now this is actually something i wanted to throw to you 
because I, yeah. I seem to remember these color options being teased pretty heavily when oh, they were when Essential was launched. And look at you know we're well into this product's life cycle. We we've noticed this with other manufacturers too. Like six months after the initial release, we'll get a red version or a blue version of the same phone. Do you think that, that cough one this plus is, cough? <laughs> well, I mean, do you think that this is something that <laughs> is really, you know, like sort of building brand or maintaining brand awareness? Or do you think that if this color option had just been available at launch, that maybe the phone would have had better traction for those people who don't want another like black or white slate phone? I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I mean, you know, they went into the market as a niche player to start with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you... uh, Call me maybe jaded, but the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, I mean, they didn't quite deliver on some things that were... As you know, it took a while with the camera and even right. then it's still kind of iffy and there's like some performance issues and it still hasn't received it. Has it received its its uh, Oreo update yet or whatever? Well, I mean, only 1% of the Android market really has. Yeah, no, I know. But my point is, you know, like for this kind of phone, you expect that to be, yeah. you know, because of Andy Rubin, right? You kind of expect that to happen sooner. Look, I'm not going to bash Central. I like their phone. I've kind of talked about it to death. I'm just saying that my gut feeling tells me that actually releasing special colors later is actually a pretty good marketing strategy. That, it that it keeps kind them. of reinvigorates the brand and the product line, and it makes people potentially that didn't get around on the first round say, hey, you know, even though this is not a new phone, this color is new, and I'm in the mood, and I'm going to pull the trigger now. Gotcha. Well, okay. So that that's actually a good point that I hadn't thought of that if you're rejoining the conversation, it's not like you've abandoned your product. You're still putting pressure on reaching out to consumers. That that side of the conversation, I think makes sense. I just wonder if if there wouldn't have been just a bit more buzz. Again, like you saw the classic days of some of our other favorite manufacturers where it's like we had a whole rainbow of color options ready to go at launch. And, uh, you know, if you want a blue phone, you're, you're, you, we've got an option for you. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to plan for something that may or may not happen. It's just here. It's ready to go. And you can grab it when the excitement is, is at its highest. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's interesting that they, we saw these colors at the launch and then they kind of disappeared and then they kind of came back, you know, because my first gut feeling when they launched these colors was, ah, oh, damn it, we just talked about Essential on the podcast yesterday. <laughs> that was the first thought. Right. The second thought was, wait a minute, I've seen these colors before. What gives, right? Right. So, I mean, look, they look cool. And, you know, kudos for Essential. Look, all I know is that I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a lot of money because they're well-funded by Andy, you know, friends in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So I hope they stick. And I know that I'm, well, I don't know for a fact, but I'm assuming as in, I feel very confident that they're losing money on every phone sold right now at that $500 price. Oh, they point. have to be. Yeah. So I hope they stick around long enough because I want to see what I see. I want to see essential pH two. Oh, um, definitely. Because I have a feeling that a lot of the issues we have are going to be solved and fixed. And, um, and yeah, and then maybe it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see also all that other stuff they were working on that we haven't heard anything about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, since the launch, like the the home, the little speaker thing or whatever home hub beastie thing. And then I'm still curious what, what they can do with uh, this sort of wireless USB connection that they're trying to use for the modular part of this phone. 
if there's any merit there as we're looking at getting rid of headphone jacks and wireless charging is ubiquitous. Consumers, I think, are probably a little bit more in tune with that kind of a discussion. It's just I don't think anyone wants to invest in a proprietary accessory standard right now. Yeah, I mean, my biggest gripe with this is that they did it for that 3D uh, 360 camera that mm-hmm. was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it, but I've played with it. And that little fan in there making a lot of noise, yeah. being picked up by the microphones, and it feels cheap and flimsy and plasticky compared to... You know, compared to let's let's be real, the phone is so delightful, ceramic oh, and, yeah. and titanium, and then they have this little plastic wart on top of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, seriously. What's, what's funny is they're not wrong though. Have you have you tried shooting with the Gear Three Sixty? Because if you run uh, the yeah. Gear Three Hundred and Sixty for more than ten minutes, that thing starts to shut down on you because it's overheating yeah, no, so I know. bad. I know. I mean, that's a common problem. Um, <laughs> I, I recently, uh, and I, I did a mini review for Pocket Now um, a little while back of the um, the Xiaomi Sphere camera. And yeah. that one is awesome. Oh my God, the quality is so high. Uh, it does get hot, but not. it never shut down on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can run like for several hours, even if it's plugged into a USB charger. Uh, you can keep it going as long as you have SD card space, basically. I, w- I was also impressed video. with the, uh, the Insta360s. Uh, they've been making Yeah, they're much. great. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think um so I think that So here's my question. My hypothesis I want to see them do another phone has been it takes about three consistent generations of product before consumers start to take brands seriously. You can look at like the Microsoft yeah. Surface, you know, Surface True. one gets hammered by the tech press. Surface two, we see them refine, we see some people starting to recognize some good ideas. Surface Surface Pro three. People are starting to take it seriously as a real laptop replacement. Oh, it was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Essential can make it to a PH3? Do you think that they can they can lose fights in the market long enough before people will take them seriously? Like, you know, the OnePlus 3 was a baller phone. That was the, the yeah. beautiful execution of what OnePlus was. was trying to do. It was finally the right one. Yeah. You look, it's possible. Uh, I they have they definitely have enough connections in the funding world to last that long. Um and but the the big question I would ask myself if I was a VC or funding them or whatever is you know there's got to be more to the story the stuff that they kind of hinted at last year with that their own OS running on that little speaker hub thing because you know if it's just a phone you're making it's a commodity device like the yeah. end game for somebody like for next bit was to get bought and razor bought them and it made perfect sense because if you're making phones you're making commodity hardware and it's hard to differentiate if you want to run android because as you and i and all tech journalists and all people in their right mind know you really want to be running pretty much stock android anyway yeah. so how do you differentiate other than hardware so the the, the, the question becomes um you know I'd, my 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 gut feeling is that Andy Rubin and Essential are not in the game of making phones, that the phone business is something they're doing because Andy is a phone guy and that it's, you know, that they've enough money long-term to, as you said, maybe buy Gen 3 become good enough to sustain a, an, you know, enough income for the real thing they're doing, which we're not seeing yet, which is what the VCs are really funding. Because otherwise, where's the business model? Yeah. And who's going to buy them if that's the end game? Google? No. <laughs> you know, HTC? Uh, no. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Samsung? I mean, whatever. It's like, Nextbit was unique in that it got it was crowdfunded 
and it delivered mostly on time and it uh, had this cool cloud thing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it made sense. They, they basically designed it from scratch to be an acquisition, it yeah. feels like to me. Whereas I don't see that written here and knowing Andy Rubin and his past, I don't think that that's necessarily what he's aiming for. He really wants to kind of steer the ship for a little while. You no, know? I, I completely agree with you. I, I think his messaging coming out saying, you know, I was partly responsible for some of the problems facing society today in the use of smartphones. He he has Aren't a Aren't you humble? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, again, it was there was a little tongue-in-cheeky there, but, you know, it was also with that kernel of truth, you know? Totally. Oh, yeah. There's um, absolutely some truth. I feel, I, I agree with you there. I, I completely agree with you there. I feel that there are some great grander there's some grander design that i think andy rubin is looking at you know smartphone phase 2.0 like what what is it that we're really doing and what is it that we're trying to capitalize on um but if the play is to try and build a user base or build a you know a revenue through smartphone sales that seems to me to be not the right way yeah, that's a tough it. that's a tough pill to swallow. Right. It's, isn't it? it's a pretty this this pie is pretty well baked. You know, there's there's not gonna I don't think we're gonna see major disruption in the smartphone space. But like there's a niche there's, got in. You know, there's room for niche players. That's the thing. I think as phones are commoditizing, there is more room for niche players like OnePlus. The reason for that is people want a unique and different experience. You buy an essential phone because it's ceramic and titanium and it looks unique right. and it it's small despite having a very large display. I mean, honestly, that and the Galaxy S8, uh, regular size, and uh, the iPhone 10, in my opinion, those three phones are the perfect size phones. Yeah, right. I would agree. I mean, I have bigger phones because... I like bigger screens and I can handle it, but but it's I not think the best mobile experience. You've got to like correct. use that yeah. thing, yeah. And, and so to me, you know, that's like that. There's a niche that they filled, and you know, OnePlus is filling the. We're going to make pseudo flagships at half the price or right. two thirds of the price, and they've done that, <laughs> and they've made a name for themselves doing that in this market. And so I think there's room for these little players in in that way, but I don't think that. You know, it's it's definitely a tough and risky game to play. Yeah. Um, well, because the, margin, so, the margins are going to beat you up. Like, they're obviously, they have to be beating up Essential right now. Yeah. A certain bill of materials that requires a certain level of manufacturing, an expectation of QA, even though they're charging $300 less than when the thing launched. But I, I, I totally agree, though. Now is the right play to try and make an argument for a specialist device. Like, I don't think BlackBerry could have come back at any time, but now, where you could right. say there's there's a a niche crowd who are totally going to appreciate a keyboard phone. I think LG had the messaging mostly right for the V30. If you want, I agree. A content yeah. creation and multimedia platform, it's really second to none. It is amazing. I love the my oh, my yeah. V30. Uh, you know, it's and you know, and if you want to make a phone for uh, Joshua Vergara, you you're BlackBerry. Exactly. Right? <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, he you never let audience, go of his BlackBerry launch. You have an audience of one. <laughs> no, that's mean. Gordon, uh, J Jason's probably listening going, Miriam, <laughs> oh, do I need to give you a phone call? No, look, I love the Key One and I think BlackBerry is doing some cool stuff and I'm looking forward to success to the Key One. Maybe, maybe soon, who knows? Yeah. The, the reality is, is that uh, it, it was the hipster phone to have at Google I.O. this year if you went to Google I.O. 
Oh, I, I mean, like we all showed up with our key ones, and we're like, even yep, for this last cool season, yes, I I was rocking the combo. I did. Oh, cool! I did all of my production. So I was I, I was there for Newegg mostly. So they they had a right. video production team to handle like pretty video of motherboards. Um, but I did a whole series of vlogs, all uh, shot, recorded the audio, did all the video, did all the editing, did all the rendering, did all the uploading, did all the writing, all from the V30. Everything wow. in house on that one phone. So, what software did you use? So, I am I have become a complete and total whore for Cyberlink's Power Director. All right, that's what I figured yeah. you would say because it really is the only platform choice. Their there is on recent Android. updates are phenomenal, though. This was Good, the this was one of the first platforms that properly supported HEVC. They, oh wow! They beat that. Premiere. They beat. Uh, Vegas, they beat uh, Final Cut to supporting H.265. So wow, th- that's that was a big deal for last year when I was reviewing Huawei phones, is because you know Google wasn't supporting HEVC, and if <laughs> so I wanted to upload a video, does, right? I'd have to transcode it. Yeah, exactly. Right. The V30 does, and the iPhone 10 does, correct? The the iPhone 10 does HEVC. The V30 does not. They're still oh, doing a super high bit rate uh, H.264. H.264, yeah. So the biggies right now are uh, Huawei. Uh, their 4K is HEVC. Their 1080p is H.264. And Got the it. iPhone, obviously, you have your, your HEVC, or you can also kick it back uh, to H.264 yeah. if you go into the compatibility settings. And then I think outside of that, it might only be uh, Axon 7, where there was an option to use HEVC. I, I'm not sure if there are any other major manufacturers that have jumped on that wagon. And this, listeners, is why you listen to this podcast, <laughs> because we just went down a little brick, yellow brick road of tangent. Right, because, into because H- better compression into matters. <laughs> H265 codex. Woohoo! Um but anyway, I agree. So you had your V30 for all that. And then you got the, you had the key one for all your, your writing. Key one handled all of my communication, you know, coordinating with different video teams, working with editors, reaching out to our press contacts. I mean, that was an all day, every day phone, you know, fantastic. That, that combo is phenomenal of, of, a just an on the rails premium top tier communications device paired uh-huh. with a a multimedia phone that took over as my daily driver for camera and editing like it was yeah, it was yeah. an excellent combo to rock and i didn't travel with a laptop i didn't have another tablet wow. i didn't have anything else everything was done with those two devices and then i i made a little gorilla pod stand so i had a little hardcore time. it was cool man it was real hardcore. cool that's awesome that's very cool yeah i mean look the v30 is awesome i love it i love it particularly for audio yeah. um the one complaint i have about recording video with the v30 at least when you're recording videos of phones is that you can see the reflection of the uh um the uh laser autofocus yep on the glass so i that's when that happens i use the note uh, the Note 8 as a video recorder because its autofocus is super fast and it doesn't have the um, the laser yeah. autofocus. And, and also, I, I got to give them props for being a smaller sensor camera. I think their glass lens element mostly does what they claim it will. But every now oh, and I, then, I have run into, I would say it's probably like one out of 20. We're in high contrast situations with very aggressive spotlighting. That oh, yeah, lens you element. Get the, oh, it's 
bad. It freaks out, but it's, it's really like, hard to predict when oh, it's going to freak out. I've seen it happen. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. And so as, as long as you know those two limitations, they're great. Like the audio recording that comes out of that thing is unbelievably it's good. fantastic. Um, so yeah, yeah. And have you taken it out? We, um, I, I had one of the, uh, the prototype units for IFA and, uh, it was like a, just a group of nerds out at one of those Bia Gotten, you know, like uh-huh. just giant buckets of lager, the size of your torso, uh, kinds of places, <laughs> but they had an Oompa band. And for the uh-huh. first time, the first time you see that little notification pop up, it's the, uh, like, I think it's the high impact mic kicks on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you go back and you listen to those recordings and it's like, you're there. No distortion, no clipping. It's not getting sizzly. It's just, that's almost exactly what it sounded like to my ears when I was in yeah. the room. And and you know who did that first? The, uh, the MEMS based, um, um, high power, like high, uh, you know, high volume mics is, uh, Nokia on yep. the Lumias. Yep. Yeah. Again, we, yeah. and we're, we're circling ideas that Nokia had like eight years ago and we're still. See? <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe that HMD Global and that a lot of the technology in the current Nokia phones, which are very hard to find in the US, I mean, you can buy them on Amazon, but my point is that I still haven't gotten a review in it beyond my, very recently, I just got the, actually this week, I just got the 3310 3G retro phone. Super excited about that. But honestly, it's like, I've been trying to get a Nokia 8 since it came out and it's not that they don't want to give me one. It's just that they don't have too many to go around no, for the really U.S. Don't. media. And, and um, but I've talked to Ben over at HMD Europe and um, PR, and he's assured me that he will get m- me a Nokia 7 Plus very, very soon. Um, nice. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is the perfect segue. Yes. Look at that. Yes. Okay. Um, speaking of. Uh, there are more leaks about the seven Nokia 7 Plus. Uh, Pocketnow had an entire walkthrough. I don't think it's Pocketnow who did it, but um, they posted an entire walkthrough, like, hands-on, right? Mm-hmm. And what's your, what's your take? I mean, this, this thing looks sexy in this gold and black thing theme. Well, yeah, it, like, so many really good uh, design aesthetic experiments being executed phenomenally well. Uh, where I do think a couple companies have struggled with this notion of how to execute this uh, this sort of slimmer form factor, this near bezel-less design. Uh, we, we, we can make excuses for other manufacturers, but we have noticed a few compromises in how they fit all of these pieces into a more screen first, or at least a higher, a much higher screen to body ratio uh, device. And so waiting out one generation Starting HMD's Nokia labeling with 16 by 9 displays, I think was absolutely the right play. And especially with the 7 designation, meaning that it's not going to be their top tier offering, but like starting it off in this upper mid-range category. Nokia always crushed in that mid-range space. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing you have to understand is that, yeah, they did the flagships, but the model always just below the flagship was a force to be reckoned with back in the day. And it always surprised us reviewers because we were like, you know, I could live with this. This is like freaking awesome. In some ways, I kind of like it better. <laughs> like the first, the one that comes to mind to me is, you know, when the Lumia 930 came out, was mm-hmm. the last of the real Nokia branded Lumias. Um, 
and at the high end, there was an 830 yep. model. I've got that? it right there. It's on my bookshelf. Oh it's my almost God, in arm's reach. Oh my God, that thing is uh, today, still to this day, the sexiest freaking thing ever. Like, it's so thin. And and I love that how it was square, but that the plastic and the glass you know. had cut corners. Oh man. With Nokia design. And, and I think HMD has inherited that vibe. Oh, you know, absolutely. They're, they're design masters. So I'm super stoked about this 7 Plus. Honestly, I am really hope Ben can uh, can deliver and finally get me some uh, some Nokia love again. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in the same boat as you are. Like, I'm vaguely on a list. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, too. I, 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 I'm probably nowhere near, you know, executing a review or a hands-on anytime soon. I mean, I've played with them, obviously, uh, quite a bit just on recent uh, travels. And hitting trade shows and stuff, but I'd love to live oh, yeah. with one for a while just to see. Exactly, it's a whole different thing when you know touching it at a trade oh, yeah. show, going hmm, you know, like giving 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 like Chris Velasco across from you the nod, and, and then going, <laughs> right. yeah, you know, you I I like this Miriam too. I agree. You know, you can totally <laughs> picture him doing that. It's one thing to do that, and then another thing to like have it in your pocket for a week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and yep. it's one of those brands that I feel like, because, you know, I, I, and I'm sure you're probably kind of in the same boat too. It's like, I get a good chunk of my viewership in North America, but it's only really to the tune of about 20%. And recently, I, Asian markets have started taking over. I, I think my top viewed country right now is India. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They're up there for me too, but not the top. US is still my top, UK my second. I think India, India fight is 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 uh is duking it out with australia right now oh, right so on. i'll let you guys battle on <laughs> while i watch from the sidelines and at least it's my youtube views i need to look at the podcast numbers uh i definitely think it's us mostly though but still. but i think this is where it's exciting to see companies that i mean at some point i do hope they have a good north american strategy i think a lot of companies recently have stumbled and how they introduce products for USA with the the focus we have on carriers. And Nokia didn't want to play that game way back in the day, you know, when Symbian ruled the roost for Nokia branded phones. They they weren't interested in in playing the same game as the unlocked markets they could tap in Europe. I really hope to see them kind of replicate some of that success again, having a strong entry level market for emerging 4G uh, regions on this planet. And then finally drop us off something where they can make a good faith argument for a premium option for the United States. I would yeah, love to see absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, screw the carriers. Just log, just release the thing unlocked. Be mm -hmm. a niche player. Fight to the death as niche players. I want to see OnePlus and Honor yeah. and Nokia and uh, who else is there? Um, Essential and <laughs> Razor. Like kind of duke it out. Like, you know, dual style. Yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be fun. I um, think it just as long as they're the the manufacturer leadership has like reasonable expectations on what to do in a market, some of these niche options could be kings of their niche. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, they could all, they could all own a little slice of it, you know. And that's that's kind of the thing that I think is exciting about it because variety ultimately is a spice of life. And you know, wouldn't it be simpler? And and I mean, I think we're trending in that direction where most more and more phones are basically 
you know, stock Android Plus or, mm -hmm. you know, less skinning is happening. So basically it makes it easier for you to switch phones yeah. and then, and feel comfortable. And that means, you know, like, oh, do I want to do a Nokia this year? I think I'm going to do a Nokia this year. <laughs> oh, next year I'm going to do Essential again. I kind of dig their first one. I'll be, I'll be curious whatever, to see right? if the sort of Apple Samsung dichotomy for general consumers can be cracked into, because I think a lot of that it's is- It's going to take a while. Oh, it definitely will. But I think a lot of it is, is more the emotional side of the discussion. You know, like when you are- you were saturated by, and, and deservedly, I do think that Samsung and Apple are making the best arguments for all rounder consumer devices. Like, I don't really feel an iPhone necessarily excels in any one feature, but you can trust that they're genuinely good across the board. It's not like yeah, you're exactly. going to get a bad feature on an iPhone. It just might not be the best for any one part of using that phone. But, you know, a big part of this is just the fact that those are also the two companies that spend the most on advertising, you know, yeah, it, it is an emotional yeah. discussion that I think you need to kind of cue into that primal part of the human brain. And then we'll go back and we'll rationally explain why we're willing to spend a thousand dollars on a phone. But it's like you need yeah. to trigger the heart first before the brain can kick in and rationalize the decision. For sure. I mean, I, I think that another thing that's going to be exciting this year with, you know, and this kind of maybe segues us towards MWC a little bit. Um, but I think uh, with Samsung, you know, you have to admit that even though they're a big brand like Apple and they're very successful, they are, I mean, their hardware last year when it came out, like was like, that's it. We're drawing the line on the ground of what the best hardware in the world is. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then, you know, it's been basically between them and Huawei and Apple. And Apple didn't make much of an effort until the 10, really. Uh, they were kind of stagnating, in my opinion, a little bit there in terms of hardware. Well, they went four so, generations on the same phone design. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a long time. So I think, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, as much as, you know, yeah, Samsung is huge, but Samsung delivers, man. Like, you know, they, what I think is kind of interesting, because it's not that I it's not that I disagree. It's that I think that when we look at the change from the Galaxy S6 to the S7 to the S8, it's, a, it's very inc incremental. It's but very incremental. Well, well, this is what I think is so interesting is it's, it's almost like just one or two little tweaks make the device feel like a much bigger update than the specs on paper would otherwise indicate. And I that's think, the magic. Isn't that, that is, it is, it's this, it's this sort of great, I don't want to use a phrase like sleight of hand because that makes it sound like they're doing something duplicitous. They're absolutely not. But you look at the specs on paper from the S7 to the S8 and that change is fairly conservative except for one baller change to the screen aspect ratio, which makes this phone feel radically fresher than the change from the S6 to the S7. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know what they have up their sleeve this time around. I mean, I have some ideas. I'm excited about that rumor of the variable aperture camera that's I'm been floating around. I'm very curious to see what that Because honestly, look, you know, software photography is, I'm totally digging it. You know, I've been on board since the Lumia days mm -hmm. and I've always been on board just because I'm a computer nerd and I worked in video games making software for years before I was a tech <laughs> journalist. But the point is that uh, what if you throw even better hardware at that computational photography? Yes. Boom, right? I mean, like... And, and, you know, this rumor has got me very, I'm, I'm totally, I, I have a hunch that this is going to be the thing. Like last year was the, the display. Yeah. 
And if it, if I'm right, I don't, I don't know. Again, I, I don't want to predict the future because I'm, I don't know. But if I, if I, if you know, I, I'm excited about that that rumor. If that rumor, now I, I think Samsung has found the better, the better solution for TikTok, where S6 to S7 feels like we're just kind of replacing some of the things we lost from the S5. Uh, we're rounding off the corners a little bit, but it's not this radical shift like the S5 to the S6 was. Then the S8 feels like a much bigger change, but there's still some rough around the edges. Fingerprint sensor location, for example, was... Oh, God, I hope they fix that. was kind of I mean, it looks like I, from the photos that they are. I'm pretty I'm confident not. they're going to center punch that fingerprint sensor. Uh, but now this will be the first time I think that we might see a slightly more bifurcated Galaxy lineup where we maybe don't get the secondary camera sensor on the smaller S8. And we usually, we haven't ever before faced, I think, that significant a difference in... But, but uh, it Galaxy makes sense S's. to me because it's positioning yourself like Apple is. Well, that's... If anything. You see, that's what makes sense. But hasn't Samsung always had the conversation before where you didn't have to compromise on those individual features? Yeah. It was just battery capacity and screen size. It's battery ca think... capacity because of the screen size. They've well, never had think... that kind of an ask before. Yeah, I think they're changing their tune. I think it's working for Apple, so they're doing it. You know, it's just the reality of it. Um, I mean, if they are, I don't know. I mean, right. that's what this the rumors show. The, totally. the leaks are showing that, you know, there's a much more of a differentiation between the two, for better or for worse. But look, remember, remember that even though it doesn't, you know, if, if the S9 only has one camera and the S9 Plus, Plus Edge, whatever it's called, has two, uh, you know, we know from the Pixel... 2 and Pixel 2 XL that you can do really good portraits with a single lens. Oh, yeah. So let's not get too worried about that. Yeah, you know? I, I don't feel like losing the zoom sensor will be too much of a compromise because you're working I on such a so small piece that you can't even really use in indoor lighting. I don't think people yeah. realize that, that usually that sensor kicks off as soon as you're not in bright, direct sunlight. It's better than the iPhone. Well, so the Note 8 and the iPhone 10 are better than the previous iPhone totally. 7 and 8 uh, because they have OIS on this on the Zoom. So they can actually stay put in low light a little longer, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they can they can actually, you know, provide some... I've done some... I've, with my Note 8, I've done some pretty awesome low light... Um, you know, uh, portraiture. So it's still, it's still much better than, it, than it is. It is better than I've the been iPhone, able to do with an iPhone. The second yeah. you flip it over to a pixel or a Huawei, which has oh, the yeah. matched, uh, night and the day. Matched sensors. I, know. It's, I mean, you're, you're talking at least three stops of light difference <laughs> between what For sure. Samsung yeah, is capturing totally. and what you can do on a, on a, on a larger sensor just through computational, uh, portraiture. I know for sure. It's a huge step up. So you're not wrong. I don't think it would be too much of a loss, but again, it, it, it is kind of interesting. We'll have that first conversation of a completely different camera sensor, uh, set up from yeah. galaxy S to galaxy S plus. I mean, if that turns out to be true, I, I wonder what that'll also mean for things like if it's variable aperture, then that's probably only going to be the main sensor. I would imagine. Like you wouldn't want to mess around with that. Well, on a yeah, I mean, sensor. why you don't? But what? Remember also, what was the? It's f over two point four on the zoom lens on the Note eight. I think so. Yeah. If if not, so, if not one point nine, I don't think. I don't made think it you can wide. do one point. I don't think you can do one point six on the zoom. <laughs> I mean, that would be quite the achievement in terms of lens 
Um, but hey, you know, speaking of of Huawei and and you know and its ilk, I've been playing with a European version of the View Ten. Finally, oh nice, yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting. It's kind of like a Mate Ten Redux, but they made some interesting choices. They they omitted the OIS, which is I think a real bummer. Yeah, and they reduce the f-stop down to 1.8 instead of 1.6, which, if you think about it, is the same as the P10 Plus last year. So not not no slouch here, right? Um, but at the same time, the OIS was kind of a weird decision. But the rest of the phone, of course, other than being uh, having the crazy Karen 970 monster beast of a processor under the hood, mm. which is also very note, uh, sorry, Mate 10 ish. Other than that. Um, look and feel and a lot of features are very uh, Honor 7X-ish, which, you know, is not a bad thing because the Honor 7X is a freaking awesome phone for yeah, 200 bucks. It really is well built. Um, and so this View 10, I don't know exactly when it's going to come on, what the exact price is going to be. We've all kind of ex- guessing it's going to be 500-ish. And I think it's coming to the US very soon. And and it's going to be in, the, in that 500-ish range competing directly with the OnePlus 5T. I think and, I think that's a really uh, smart others. play because I I think it is. There, there were a bunch of people making those sort of bullet point comparisons between the Mate 10 Pro and the uh, the OnePlus 5T. You know, you've got similar generation totally. processor. You've got 1080p displays. It, you know, the the individual mini bullet point differences. You know, started to make the Mate 10 Pro look a little bit pricier than what the phone could offer should be or could be yeah and so the view 10 comes in i think at, at exactly the right stage in the conversation to to really give the 5t a run for its money especially in light of the recent political troubles that huawei was facing with their actual huawei brand yeah so honor could kind of side skirt that exactly in a clever way yeah exactly yeah i totally agree no i mean it's been a f- it's fun phone you know i've only had it for a brief time so i know we're gonna get some uh, v10 uh, view 10 whatever it's not v it's view right. view 10 uh, us review units eventually but um it was interesting because you know some of the Euro- european reviewers reviewed them a while ago yeah. so i was like yeah i want to kind of get my hands on that well um, did you spend a lot of time with the mate 10 because that that's actually yeah, i have been... one i have a mate 10 pro i've been using the european model since november uh, well, right. late November, early December. So I've had it in my pocket for a while. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's good. I've been very impressed with Huawei's recent changes. I, I miss I miss having a built-in headphone jack. I, I can't I can't front that. Well, the the but. View 10 does. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say like so basically you know, back if you look at the, Yeah, if you look at the Mate 10 Pro, you know, there's also a Mate 10 mm-hmm. that doesn't have water resistant, has SD card, and has headphone jack. And has a 16-9 aspect ratio. So basically, take the Mate 10 non-pro, the one I just described, and give it an 18-9 display, and that's what the View 10 is, with a cam- redux camera in terms of no OIS and a lesser f-stop. That's, I mean, that's not a bad... That's not bad, right? I, if if they really can be that that aggressive, that that price six gigs of RAM against the OnePlus, then I think that's a really worthy showdown. And I, I'd really be curious to see what they're doing with the camera tech losing OIS because I didn't feel it, it was, hurts in low light. It, it does, but I didn't feel it was as bad a loss as when I was going through the uh, the P9 and the Honor Eight. You know, you do, you definitely notice it. You definitely miss it, but it wasn't as destructive. Oh yeah, to nighttime yeah, yeah. photography as I thought it was going to be. 
It it's um depends how steady you can be. Of course, for me that's not a problem. But I, again, the average person just mashing the button, they're gonna see a difference, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely make jokes about the fact that it's a good thing I'm not a surgeon. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you uh, if you, if listeners are interested, I've got uh, a, a little preview of that View 10 European model in my YouTube channel, and we talked about the Nokia 3310 3G retrophone and there's an unboxing of that as well i'll put it in the show notes but um we've got a little bit of time left here before we got to run uh and i wanted to really quickly get your kind of like five bullet point version of what you expect to see happen in mwc oh definitely so uh my quick rundown at least the top companies that i'm going to be paying attention to for the mobile space obviously samsung is going to walk away with most of the editorial the attention yeah yeah I, I mean it's if only it's just because to see samsung return to mwc and not not right do their true. own completely separate event uh, after you know they're not facing the competition from outlets like lg so this is the right time especially with the phone that I feel will be, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's going to be a little iterative. The S8 got so much right. There's not a lot I feel they need to correct on the S9. It's going to be about refining, just putting a few pieces back into place. I think that's going to be a really smart play for Samsung, especially with part of the conversation also kind of owing to price creep. I think we'll probably see that little bit of a lobster pot on pricing again. Uh, for what Samsung has to offer. So there are some things that I think they they need to to kind of focus on their part of the discussion. I think that leaves a huge opportunity though for Huawei to right. for the world stage because they're not facing the same kind of scrutiny outside of the United States. You know, I don't think the Best Buy problem is affecting them worldwide. I don't think the US, you know, law enforcement agency's advisory is affecting them worldwide. I think the only thing which might be a tough hill for the P20 is if it is too close in aesthetic design to an iPhone 10. Some of the renders that we've seen, some of the leaks that we've seen, it if you if you praise your competitor too much, you flatter them too much in your design, I think that makes for a difficult conversation as to why a consumer should pick you over the competitor that you're obviously flattering. So Yeah, look I agree with you. I mean, for me, the P10 and P10 Plus in terms of industrial design were a huge disappointment. They lost their design design mm. language last year, and they went with this kind of iPhone clone Me Too thing. And and they I had just some, did not like it. They had some good ideas which were not very well implemented into an iPhone style design language, like a uh, that micro etched back on the blue yeah. P10. Oh, it's great. That was really cool. That was a really good idea. I want something but shiny. They did sp- and I don't want it to pick up a whole bunch of fingerprint smudges. <laughs> that was they did spend too much time talking about colors. Oh right? yeah, their, their Pantone relationship. <laughs> oh god, that was painful. So I, I can appreciate them looking at like, okay, well, we kind of did this halfway iPhone clone meets something radical in terms of uh, material. But if they veer too far into, well, let's just let's just jump whole hog into an iPhone celebration. I think that's that's going to be a difficult ask. I don't think it'll be for a lack of cool tech because Huawei has been ahead of the curve for the last two years. You want sure. neural processing yeah. on a chipset? You you had it months before Qualcomm could deliver. You wanted Qualcomm 835 level performance? You could have had it months before on the Mate 9. 
Um, they, they've been True. on the pulse, if not leading parts of the market in a way that I don't think North Americans always fully appreciate. So I don't think North Americans fully appreciate Huawei period. Not at all. <laughs> this, this, is, this is definitely, I think them, their opportunity to take the world stage and only face Samsung as the major conversation yeah. point that could be big. The other one, will they, sh- Oh, go ahead. Will they show the P20? I mean, I think is, I mean, I thought they were going to, there's some event in Paris later in March. I thought that, I don't think we're going to necessarily see anything about that at MWC though. Well, because I, no, you're, you're probably right there. I'm, I'm hoping though, I'm hoping that we're not completely absent the conversation because you have all the press there. I know it's like a missed opportunity, wouldn't it be? You know, I mean, even if even if they're not ready, because you're right, the 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 March uh, the March event in Paris is probably when everyone's going to get to go hands on. But this would be the right time to tease. This would be the right time to start getting people excited because they are. I mean, they're at MWC. They are going to be announcing something. It would be crazy. Yeah, they to, didn't to not have a part of that discussion be. Oh, and here's what's coming. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I think would be kind of a shame. Uh, the other companies that I think we're going to see some cool stuff from, uh, I think Xiaomi with the Mi Mix. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best way. Didn't to they do a just notch. announce a Mi Mix Two Plus or S or something? Yeah, it's the one. Have you seen the renders with the the corner cutout? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. So you know, we've been talking about Android P having better support for differing screen form factors, notches, no notches. If you want to cut into the display, I think Xiaomi has the best way to do it. I am not a fan of the notch. I think the notch is terrible design, even if it's functional. I think it's wrong to cut into the most used aspect of a phone display to beef up something like your selfie camera. And I know a lot right. of people disagree with me. I put out a video editorial where a ton of people called me an idiot, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm currently going through this process. Like I'm reaching out to, to some of my favorite uh, YouTubers to see if we can work together on some good best practices on utilizing taller aspect ratio screens but not sacrificing the video experience for people who are still mostly 16 by nine. And yeah. it's, it's a really difficult conversation to have is like, if I want you to zoom in on my video, then I know you're cropping out the, the top and bottom of my video frame, but I don't want that to just be empty space for someone who has a more rectangular uh, square uh, screen. And so we're trying to find some kind of way to balance that. Like if you want to use the full screen on your phone, our video will still look good. And you won't miss right, out on things. Exactly. You know, if I do that and then I send that video over to an iPhone 10, <laughs> yeah, then oh, I, I, I lose out on that little bit of the chunk from from the unibrow. And, and that makes me kind of sad. So if you're- The notch is a bit weird. I'm, I'm used to it. I don't mind it, but I understand the design. From a design perspective, it's really odd that that came from Apple. Yeah. Well, and that- for Apple having been the company, like this screen is your portal to these services and the phone should get out of the way. Then now the phone is literally in the way. In your way. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's those kinds of things. Like if you're going to do the notch, I think you have an easier time on Android because of the way that you can reorganize space on the notification bar. But even for some of these leaks and renders that we've seen from other devices, the Mi Mix 2, I think absolutely nails that notion of this the camera has to cut into the notification bar but it's way off to the side and it's very it's going to have very minimal impact on the content that you consume so i'll be really excited to see that in the flesh if that's executed as well as the renders and leaks look 
So you know what's next, right? Obviously, camera under the display, like a fingerprint reader under the display. Because I mean, look at the live yeah, science the, fiction. The screen goes black in that section while the photo gets taken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Well, no, but I mean, the lie of science fiction has been, you can dial up a, a video call and make eye contact with the person that you're talking to. <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah. I want, I want that, that webcam to be center punched in the middle of the screen where I would normally frame and I can look directly into that part of the screen and actually talk to the person, look at the person I'm talking to at the same time. That would be very cool. If we can pull off fingerprint sensors under the screen, it can't be too far out. I think it's coming. I think it has to be. Uh, The the last two companies that I'm really excited Uh to see from are ZTE, uh, if we get a proper follow-up to the Axon 7, especially something that can focus on audio. I reached out to them about MWC. I haven't heard back, so I don't know what's going on there. But I don't know them very well. on yeah, them. okay. Uh, it 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 was such a it was brave of them. If we want to talk about courage in smartphone manufacturing, it was brave <laughs> to of do them what they did. Yeah, to jump on dual screens before I think Android could properly support it. You yeah, know, I think sure. one of the things that people are overlooking for Android P is yeah, it's going to support the notch, but if you can make Android more intelligent at different form factors. It makes this, you know, of modular or foldable screens. It makes that easier. It's going to make it way easier to plug your phone into an external monitor and have Android yeah. properly support the space of a more desktop style computing environment, not having to go to a Samsung DeX proprietary solution, just bake that directly in. I know, uh, who was it? Bloomberg. Did you see the Bloomberg video piece? No, about which? So they, they dedicated two minutes of airtime to Android P. And it was basically oh. just, oh, Android's just going to copy Apple. It's all about the notch. And you're like, no, no, no. Android P is going to have a lot of other things going on. Yeah, Jesus. But Remember. it was all just like, hey, see, here's <laughs> another Google copies, copies Apple, and they're going to copy the notch. And you're like, that's not well, at all what we're talking about for that. It's Bloomberg. <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> but lastly, for uh, for MWC, uh, if if uh, we can get the Axon Nine get, and have killer headphone audio, that'll be great. I'll also be curious to see yeah. if Alcatel can make another strong play for the entry level because I love I don't know I love I mean, the Idol. I think it's a great I, option. I like the Idol line too. I'm just worried that they're not going to be able to compete with something like the Honor Seven X. That thing slays so hard. For you know, it it punches way above its price point, right. in my opinion, for what it but is. It's only missing NFC and and a USB Type C and maybe an Android One build to be kind of the perfect phone in that price point. But did you uh, um, did you play with the Idol Five though? Stereo speakers on a two hundred dollar phone? That's not yeah, bad. Yeah, I played with it, but I feel it's too plasticky. Like at this price oh, point, I now expect glass, all metal, metal edges, and a glass back. Come on, I know you like glasses premium. I thought it it looked like. Classic to oh, me. It doesn't it doesn't look like class. <laughs> but no, it is it is a it is a I'm pretty sure it is a glass back phone. Okay. Well I we'll see how it goes. I'm I wanna root for Alcatel. I've always liked what they've done, but I feel that the last few years they've just been kind of under delivering compared to you know, considering how much of a you know, come they they have a lot of good backing with TCL at the helm. You know, um, and and the displays should be, you know, best in class coming from TCL now. You know, since TCL is no, making their own panels. That's definitely, I think, one of the biggest asks on the Idol Five is the screen does feel like a compromise. It it's it's I am pretty sure it's 1080p, but it, color clarity contrast that makes you feel like you are using a two hundred dollar phone. 
for as much as I love yeah. that the speakers uh, elevate that product category, what you interact with the most does feel like a compromise. No, I thought you were talking about a new replacement for the Idol 5. Well, I That's think, what I thought you were well, talking I think, about. Well, I think their next line of phones, they're going to drop the Idol name. The Idol yeah, name. So yeah, so it'll be the Idol no, Definitely 5 the Idol 5 is, a, is a definitely, yeah, definitely a glass and metal phone. I'm just saying that I'm worried that those mid-rangers are not going to be continuing that trend. And, right. And, you know, because, I don't know why, because I, I feel like, you know, their cheaper phones have always been so plasticky. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one of them will be continuing that. But, uh, I mean, let, maybe, let me turn that around and say that I think they should continue in that line of design, but I'm not convinced that they will. Oh, I'm not. I'm not either. In fact, I think they'll probably try and jump on the skinnier bezel bandwagon. Unfortunately, exactly. I think we'll lose one of the features that Alcatel. And that's my concern. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to get to. To meet the kind of you know feature set, like they're going to drop the build and material level things because that's all they can do to stay competitive. And I, I'm just not too happy about that. But at the same time, yeah, I want my 189 display. I expect everything you have an 189 display from <laughs> right. now on. Done. Well, and, and yeah. unfortunately, I think we'll probably also lose one of the things that made the idol distinctive is the, the audio, you know, it, yeah, if, the, if audio. the phone becomes yeah. another also ran the same problem that we were, we were just discussing earlier with HTC is when you walk away from something that made your brand distinctive, how does it stand out against established players like Moto G's and, uh, honor sevens, honor sixes that really kind of helped elevate the sub $300 price tier to something far less painful for consumers to use. One of the differentiators yeah. was stereo speakers on the audio idle five. You could make an argument. Hey, if you really wanted great, great audio for games and for music and for, for watching videos, this phone delivered something that no one else did at this price point. If it's now just going to be another honor seven clone, then why not just go with the honor seven? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think you you made some good some good points, and and I believe that uh, your predictions are pretty much on point. Those are some <laughs> of the things I'm looking forward to as well. Uh, but we should wrap it up, and I wanted to give you a chance to plug. You know, you did plug yourself a little bit at the beginning, but tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you know, what URLs they should go visit to see you work with uh, Newegg and Pocket Now and stuff. And uh, all that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, around the internet, if you search for some gadget guy, you'll probably find me in some shape, some form, some factor. Uh, Newegg Now, every Thursday, 10 a.m. Pacific, where we're doing all kinds of crazy deals on gadgets and electronics. And I co-host that with uh, Trisha Hirschberger. And we've done some crazy things. Like we, we, had, uh, we found a whole batch of graphics cards that we were able to sell below MSRP for like the first time <laughs> in nice. months. Um, so you can definitely find some cool stuff there. Uh, my personal YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bagnell, but you can also find it by searching for some gadget guy. Uh, right before I jumped on this podcast, I just did a, a debate with, uh, Ron Richards from all about Android and, oh, Anna yeah, Ron. Awesome. where we, uh, we hashed it out. We got into it nitty, the nitty gritty on companies getting rid of the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. And cause you know, Ron has been a big advocate of moving over to Bluetooth. And Enabong has nah. got his wall of headphones behind him in every shot he does. <laughs> it's a pretty epic, yeah. uh, epic debate. Um, and uh, I'll also be doing a showdown between uh, portrait mode on phones like the Mate 10 Pro against uh, interchangeable lens cameras to see if those portrait mode photos really do resemble 
what they're trying to do, you know, that depth of field, that really pleasant lens effect that we get from proper glass. And so that'll be out on my channel uh, probably after uh, this podcast goes live. So some cool stuff coming down the pipe is some going to be a lot of fun to follow. Sweet. Well, you know, I'll know where to find Juan and uh, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character, just drop the vowels and that you'll find me in most places. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get that for YouTube. So just look for me as my full name, youtube.com slash Miriam Joire. You'll find some videos that supplement this podcast. Um, and then, of course, uh, subscribe to that channel, like the videos that would help. And uh, you should subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already mobiletechpodcast.com uh, will f- we'll give you the uh, the RSS feed and then you can find us on uh, iTunes and on Pocket Cast and a bunch of other podcast aggregators I'm sure uh, so yeah uh, stay tuned for next week we'll have someone else we'll be at MWC probably we'll have a whole bunch of people like we did at CS and gather all in a room it'll be fun and uh, again Juan thanks for being on of course thanks so much for having me I'm really excited about your MWC podcast your CES show was awesome so it was great right yeah we'll do we'll do something similar I hope so stay tuned for that and see you next week this has been the mobile tech podcast with tank girl proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com you can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com